the prophet Isaiah, chapter 58, verse 6. Is this not the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover them, and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and the Lord will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up with the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. These are our sacred stories. Thanks be to God. Fake it till you make it. You know the concept. Your heart's not in it. You don't know what to do or how to do it. You're anxious, but you do it anyway. And soon you may find that your emotions match your behavior, that you do know how to do what needs to be done after all, that you can push through your anxiety and come out on the other side. Remember that 1988 film, Working Girl? Melanie Griffith, Harrison Ford, Sigourney Weaver. Griffith plays an administrative assistant whose idea is stolen by her boss. When her boss goes on a long trip, she seizes a plan to get her idea back by pretending to be her boss. How about Tootsie or Overboard? Can't Buy Me Love? Yes, these are all movies from the 80s. There are fake-it-till-you-make-it movies going back long before the 80s and many more modern ones, but I was a child in the 80s, and these films helped form my ideas about the world. Don't get the part? Fake being a woman. Can't manage your children? Pretend the woman with amnesia is your wife. Want to be popular? Pay the popular girl to fake being your girlfriend. Fake it. Do you make it? The author of this section of Isaiah would not like these films. He would not approve of this concept. The prophet, and according to the prophet God, is sick of people's faking. The people are just going through the motions. They're fasting. They are, as the passage says just before our election, 
serving their own interests on fast days and oppressing their workers on every other day. The prophet says, look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight, to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. It turns out that God wants more than just acts of worship. It turns out that according to the vast majority of the first and second testaments, that God wants justice, mercy, care for the poor, care for the stranger, the widow, and the orphan. God wants love, and not just some, not enough to fake it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. It also turns out that for the vast majority of time, people have wanted it to be easier than this. Can't we just have a catalog of things we can do and not do? A list of things to check off? Can't we just believe a few really outlandish things and then be done? Isn't there a sinner's prayer? Come on, something we can pray and then once saved, always saved. Surely there's something easier than actually working for freedom and liberation and feeling it, right? Piety, when it's not combined with acts of justice, receives the harshest criticisms in the Bible. It is the pietistic religious leaders that has both Jesus and John calling them a brood of vipers, snake bastards. Those who pray all the right prayers and keep all the right commandments except for the ones about caring for the poor and liberating the captives and working for justice. These are the people who receive the prophet's ire again and again throughout both testaments. Amos, Ezekiel, Hosea, Jesus, they call out people for their hypocrisy, for play-acting worship while people suffer. Where does that leave us? If it only leaves us with critiques for our fellow Christians who seem to be doing anything but justice, mercy, and walking humbly while they carry their red-letter Bibles into their megachurches each Sunday, then I'm afraid we've missed the point. Back to Jesus, who seems to have something to say about focusing on the speck in our brother's eye when there's a log in our own. What's the log in my eye? What am I not seeing? What am I missing about my own combination of piety and justice? I don't want to disillusion you, and my heart is not always in it. It's almost always in community and care, but sometimes it's not in the rituals we enact as part of our religious worship. I would not say I ascribe to a fake it till you make it, but more of a do it and then you'll feel it. Certainly, it's sometimes easier for me to get my head in the game than it is for me to get my heart there. And what would it even mean to have my heart in the right place when it comes to worship? 
These questions bring up other experiences from my 80s childhood. A lot of forced emotion and worship, guilt and shame and blame. A lot of disingenuousness and hypocrisy. A lot of focus on other people's eye specs while entire branching trees were ignored. The checklist in my churches in my childhood in the 80s was pretty clear. Part of it was even printed on the offering plate, uh, not offering plate, offering envelope. Anybody else have those? They were pink in my church. I don't know why. So on that envelope, absolutely printed. I'm not making this up. Little square, you could check off. Sunday school attendance, check. Brought Bible, check. Lesson study, check. Giving, check. Worship attendance, check. Daily prayer reading and prayer. Bible reading and prayer, again, So that checklist was written down, and then there was another checklist that was communicated in youth group and nasty looks. It had things like drinking, well, not not drinking, and sex, well, not having sex, and cussing, again, not. But now I'm I'm doing it again. Doing it again. What about my own checklist, the one I have now? Restaurants I'm boycotting and stores I don't patronize and a list of words I no longer use. What about the welcome and inclusion I want to embody that sometimes feels like a list that I need to check off? It's a different checklist for sure, but don't I still have one? And so these words from Isaiah are to me and to you. It's not about having the right checklist. It's not about any checklist. It's about integrity and intention. It's about authenticity and an overflow of love. And that's not easy. Our lecture this morning addresses those who've returned from exile. They're back home and they've longed for this and prayed for this and planned for this and nothing is as they hoped. There's so much more work to be done than they thought there would be. And those who stayed, the ones who were not exiled, don't seem to want to get with the program of those who've returned. They want this to be easier. Where's the checklist? They want to do what's required on the Sabbath and then oppress workers and quarrel and fight every other day of the week. Division and fighting hindered progress and both physical and social restoration following the exile. Drought and food shortages exacerbated social strife and made rebuilding difficult. Economic and social inequality, homelessness and hunger, lack of clothing threatened the stability and identity of the returned and restored community. They needed help. And they assumed they could get this help if they would just worship in the right way. Just follow the ritual to the letter. But the prophet makes it clear that God is not interested in pious theater, not in self-interested worship and play acting while the poor suffer. Fasting was a common practice at the time, but only among those with enough food. 
fasted not out of piety, but out of necessity. And the fast that God chooses is something of a reversal. It's to provide food for the hungry. God wants all people to know freedom from economic oppression and injustice to have clothing and housing. God wants neighborly kindness instead of personal attacks. God's chosen fast is liberation and justice and mercy. This is what it means to be pious. This is what worship means, what we're doing here each week. Sometimes I struggle to know what it is that we're doing, why it is that we've gathered. One of the regulars at Lectionary Lab, and again, all are welcome. It's every Tuesday at one o'clock. You just log on to Zoom and talk about the scripture. It's more fun than it sounds. One of our regulars, when we were talking about this passage and began to explore worship, compared it to a pep rally. Worship is a way to refill, refresh, refocus, so that we can go back into our worlds and seek to do justice and love mercy and walk humbly. Another compared worship, as our prophet here does, to water, that in worship, our souls are watered. We're inspired like a spring. We're like a watered garden. That worship refreshes us and inspires us. And so we come to this place. And sometimes maybe our heart's not in it when we walk through the door. And sometimes maybe we'd rather just pour another cup of coffee. But we come, and we come for each other, and we come to be inspired to work for justice and share our bread. We come so that we can refuse to hide ourselves, however tempting it might be. We come and we worship as an outpouring of our commitment to do good in the world. And good things don't get lost. But none of this fits into a nice checklist. Not the justice part, and not the worship part, and not the love part. It seems to me that God wants us to be real, to be honest, to come with our lists incomplete and our hair a mess, to come when we need to be renewed, when we need to be challenged, when we need to know that we're not alone. And then together, with each other and with God, we come to be part of freedom and healing and hope. This is the fast I hope we choose each time we worship. God doesn't want fake piety and religiosity. God wants us to be real. We recently read the following words from Anne Lamont as a call to worship, but they keep coming back to me, and so I want to share them now. She writes, My belief is that when you're telling the truth, you're close to God, 
If you say to God, I'm exhausted and depressed beyond words and I don't like you at all right now and I recoil from most people who believe in you, that might be the most honest thing you've ever said. If you told me that you said to God, it's all hopeless and I don't have a clue if you exist, but I could use a hand, it would almost bring tears to my eyes. Tears of pride in you for the courage it takes to get real, really real. It would make me want to sit next to you at the dinner table. So prayer, and I'll add worship. Worship is our sometimes real selves trying to communicate with the real, with truth, with light. It's us reaching out to be heard, hoping to be found by light and warmth in the world instead of by night and cold. Even mushrooms respond to the light. I suppose they blink their mushroomy eyes like the rest of us. Light reveals us to ourselves, which is not always so great if you find yourself in a big disgusting mess, probably of your own creation. But like sunflowers, we turn to the light. Light warms and in most cases draws us to itself. And in this light, we can see beyond our modest receptors what is beyond us and deep inside. This is authentic worship. This is openness. This is integrity. You don't need to fake it here. Let go of your checklist of piety. Come as you are and be welcomed in your entirety and be challenged, challenged to loose the bonds of injustice, undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke, challenged to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house and when you see the naked to cover them. Not as a to-do list, but as an outpouring of love. And then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly, and your vindicator shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. And then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You'll cry for help, and God will say, here I am.